You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are absolutely delighted to have you with us today. Got a really exciting episode and uh, talking about it. I don't want to say it's exciting, but I think it's very practical uh, with uh, with a sense of people that we've really struggled to be friends with. And so Sua will explain what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get there, Sua, are you doing good today? You doing well? I am doing well. I am. I am. Can I ask you? A new um, so this, yeah, this shirt that you're wearing, the sweatshirt that you're yeah. wearing, it is not is a Chiefs 44? shirt. It is not a Chiefs shirt. I just want to. It looks like just a Chiefs because shirt. it's just because it's red and has a number on it does not mean that I have. So what jumped kind of on shirt is this? Is this like the... a? Yeah, because it looks or it looks a little bit like a Chicago Bears. Uh, it is sweater. a no. It is just a shirt that was on sale. <laughs> does not represent any actual team or sport. Okay. It is just a cute shirt that was on sale. Okay. Why are you okay. laughing? Okay, you must cool. always buy things just... when it's on sale. You should never purchase anything at full price. Oh, I agree. I 100% yes. agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I only you. buy stuff on sale. Okay. I never buy stuff. I mean, Great. why would you buy stuff at regular price? Yeah, that's why we're friends sale? because we we that's just right. we ascribe to the same philosophy when it comes to shopping. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. I'm 100% yeah. behind that. But okay. Yeah, cool. Cool. Hey, so we're going to ask a question. And the question I have, it's going to be a little bit serious, I think. Um, but I hope that's okay. Uh, I would like for you to share when was the last time you actually like you had like a sense of like fear uh, in your life, like some sense of fear you had in your life. When was the last time you had that? Like the most recent time that you were like afraid about something. All right. Could be anything random, but I'd love to know. It's a great way for us to, for the audience to get to kind of know us a little bit more so as well. So, all right. Last time you, you were fearful. Yeah. Why don't you go? Oh, sure. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, for us, it was it was probably November um, of last year in 2023. Um, my daughter Kayla uh, got really sick. She got really a high fever, and uh, and you know like she was at school, and so we didn't know like you know okay she's sick it should be fine, but the fever was like I mean as an adult I think this is really high maybe we should ask John but like her fever was like at 105. That's really high. That's, I don't need a doctor that's to tell really me that's high. really high. That's really that's high. like seizure level high. Yeah, that is you know, really, kind of a, really high. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, her boyfriend was taking good care of her, you know, waiting for the fever to go down before he left the room and stuff. But then like I talked to some of our doctors at our church and and um, and they were just like, yeah, that's just kind of weird. And so that's she came really home high. and she had no other symptoms but a fever. Nothing else. She had. She didn't like cough. Didn't have a sore throat. But no. So we got. You know, we took her to doctors. They took like the flu test. Nothing. COVID. Nothing. And so like I talked to one of our doctors at our church, and they said, you know, her body's telling us something that that she needs to really go to the ER and get like X rays and stuff like that. And so and to get a real thorough blood test. And so yeah. So we took her to the ER, and um and she went and you know they took a blood test and then they took a CAT scan. And uh, they found that she had a like a, a pretty serious kidney infection. And so that was that was, you know, that was it. You know, they gave us these really strong antibiotics and that was it. And then the doctor friend at the church said, hey, you know, can, can I just can you send me all of her labs? I just want to look at it and just kind of kind of get it checked out. And I was like, sure, no problem. And so I sent him everything, all the blood work, you know, the CAT scan, everything. And he looked at everything and he's like, oh, man, he's like, I just want to I just want you to know, like, this is like a serious infection. And, uh, and, she, and then he said, like, um, she also it might be pre-diabetic because her blood sugar level was, like, really high. It was at 250. 
and that's pretty high right so it was, yeah, I, I don't i don't but yeah. she's like normally like 200 is yeah, high yeah but she was like at 250 it's pretty high because so this is just insanely for her age like this doesn't make any sense this is really awkward this is really weird and he just said you know when she finally when the fever subsides and she feels better i need you to bring her to my office and we're gonna just get it checked out we're gonna do another blood work and all that kind of stuff and i was like okay i really appreciate that and it was probably about about a month before we took her back because it took a while for the fever mm -hmm, and the infection mm -hmm. to to wear off. And she was still feeling kidney pains and stuff like that. And I guess Jenny and I were just really nervous. We're just like, oh man, like what happens if she's like, like her kidney's not good? Like what? Like I'm, we're just mm -hmm. thinking worst case scenario yeah. here. Yeah. You know what happens if she's pre diabetic? Like oh my gosh, she's nineteen years old, she's pre diabetic. Yeah. You know, I guess like we had all those you know kind of thoughts going through our mind, and we we're and then you know we were nervous uh fearful but not gripped by it but we had uh, a decent amount of fear kind of going into it then i did take her uh got a blood work done and he did another like an ultrasound on her kidneys looked at it and you know after like the you know blood test took a couple of days and everything but her kidneys look fine and he said like you know her blood sugar levels back to normal so it was just literally the infection that spiked everything for her and so she's fine now so thankfully that's good but we were a little nervous like what happens if something happens to her you know, and stuff. So um, I think that was a little bit, uh, a little nerve wracking for us, but any event she's fine and she's all good. So, but that was probably the last time we've kind of felt a little bit of fear. So. I feel like it's always, me. I feel like it's, I mean, I'm very glad. I know you had told me when it was happening. Um, yeah. And so I was like, oh gosh, I hope it's not like, I mean, she hasn't, I mean, I I'm not a doctor, but I'm like diabetes on like for Kayla. <laughs> like, I mean, she, yeah, 19 years, and, yeah. And she's so like, um, then she doesn't like really, yeah, we don't have any diabetes in our family. Like nobody has diabetes in our family. So I'm I just mean, like, this is I really mean, she's weird. too like, old to have type one, but she's definitely like, does not seem like she would have type two. So anyway, yeah. I'm glad she is better. Um, I think that something, I mean, even for me, and I have to say, again, I don't want to be one of these annoying a-hole people but I am not somebody who's a very fearful person and I even say this because mm. like yesterday we were in the car and um my daughter my older daughter was asking me something about 9-11 um and I said mm. do you know where mommy was in 9-11 and then she was like where and I was like mommy was in like downtown New York City because that was my freshman year of college and then she was like mm. oh my gosh like did you see the buildings fall like I was like I saw the smoke and then I saw the second plane mm. like she was like were you so scared and then I literally was thinking about it and I don't remember being scared. Like, I don't ever remember. Oh my God. Um, you are not I, normal. And I know this is true because right after that happened, I signed myself oh my up God. for a psych, like a psychology um, study because they used to pay you like $50. And one of the things that they did was they gave you a Wait, survey. So, so you, like, you did this for the money. You did this yeah, for the yeah, money. Yeah, of course. To get of course. <laughs> they pay you. You just have to go answer some questions a couple times and give you money. So I would do, I would do these psychology things. And one of the surveys was about um, anxiety post 9-11. And so they would ask you questions like on a scale of one to five, like how anxious have you felt? Like, have you thought about it at night? Yeah, and I yeah. remember putting zero and like all of them, like I never had nightmares. <laughs> I never thought about the towers hitting me. Like I never thought about terrorists, oh. like just zero anxiety or fear. Like that's just how I'm wired. Um, but where do you, but, but, but let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. No, no. How but is even okay. Possible? So even, so even like, I remember, explain it to um, us. So another example, like when I was going on a short term missions trip to China in college, um, they would they would prep us by saying, like, if for some reason you were ever caught by the police, like if they interrogate you, these are the answers yeah. you should say, like they can't do anything to an American citizen. Don't worry. Like, this is what they're going to do. They might do this. And so, like, I'm sitting there and 
I told my mom and my mom, of course, is like panicking because she's like, why in the world do you have to go to China? Just go to like Thailand or something. Like, why are you going to China? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I felt called to go to China. And then she was like, okay, but what are you going to do if like you die? And I literally remember saying to my mom, I said, if I'm meant to die, I will die. Like, I don't understand what you want me to do. Like if I such, I literally said these words where I said, if I'm meant to die, I will die in New Jersey. Like it makes no difference where I am geographically. Like I will die. And my mom was like, you are the worst. Now, fast forward 30 years. I feel very sad for my mom because as a parent, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like I, I'm not sending my daughter to China. You know? Yes. Yes. Okay, but, but okay. So by nature, so I am not so an anxious person. However, I will tell you that after I became a parent, I am a very fearful person. Um, and I okay. think something has shifted. That humanizes so, you a little bit. Yeah. So okay, for example, like now, whenever John and I are, are flying together, I am suddenly gripped with this fear of like, what if we both die and our children become- So me too. Me yeah. too. And it's so- I think un- about it all the time. But it's so irrational, right? Because there's yeah, a yeah. significantly higher chance of you dying on a car accident than yeah. for you to die in an airplane. But I never yeah. really think this when I'm driving as much. I mean, mm-hmm. I do sometimes yeah. think about it, but I don't think about it as much. But there's something about that possibility that looms over my head. Um you know, or even like with my kids, like little things that they tell me about what happened in school, it really sometimes triggers me. Like, I'm like, wait, why would she say that to you? Wait, is she not a good friend? Like, is she, why would your teacher say that to you? Does he hate you? Like, I just get very, um, I, I, I wouldn't say very anxious, but I definitely yeah. have a level yeah. of anxiety that now is yeah. a chronic anxiety, like an ongoing yeah. chronic anxiety. And it only happens with respect to my children. So I, I think that I didn't have any fears, okay. but now I I constantly am operating with a certain baseline level of anxiety and fear. Interesting. Yeah. You know, but why why do you think when you were when you, before you had kids, like you had this sort of like nine eleven happen, like that's that's a pretty traumatic time, and you were in downtown New York. You know, you, you saw the smoke, you mm-hmm. saw the second plane. Like, what do you attribute that to? Can you can you kind of of like maybe explain it to me like how, how are you able to just kind of be like oh you know like i'm I, zero I, think that I was just never scared of dying um hmm. and so it was kind of, i've never really been somebody who's been like oh what will happen if i die like i always felt like and when i told my mom i distinctly remember when i told my mom like if i die hmm. well i mean i've meant to die then i'll just die like i wasn't just saying it like i really felt like if yeah. it was my time to go it was my time to go. Like it didn't really bring any level of anxiety about anything. Um, and I think that it's different now though, because my absence has real life implications, like even stupid little things. Like I said to John, like if I die, who the heck is going to brush my kid's hair? They're going to look like a hot mess when they go to school. Like they're just going to look like crazy children, like little things like this really just kind of eat away at me. Like who will make them their food, like things like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think some, I will say, there's an interesting biological reason, apparently, why. Um, so I read an article about mothers and what happens to mom's brains after they give birth. Um, and the title of the article was having a baby was like discovering a room I never knew I had in my house. Like that's kind of that was a title. And I remember this resonated with me because I read this article like six months postpartum, like after I had my first kid. And I remember after I had Lila, um, I came home. And I couldn't go to bed because I would have these mm. crazy racing thoughts of 
101 ways in which my kid will die. Um, and mm-hmm. so I would literally mm-hmm. check like 10 times that she was still breathing. Mm-hmm. I would lock the windows like multiple times because I'm like, someone's going to come kidnap my child. Completely irrational thoughts, like completely oh irrational. And crazy I girl. Bed because I was gripped by this anxiety that something terrible was wow. going to happen to my child. And then okay. after a couple of weeks, it kind of died down. And then I remember okay. six months later, I read this article. It was in the Atlantic. And they talk about how there's a biological reason, like a reason why moms have this weird hormone that goes into overdrive where Mm. um and they say if it doesn't self-regulate that's how a lot of postpartum anxiety happens but the reason why that happens is because now you are actually responsible for the life of another person and you have to have a certain level of anxiety or else you will not know that like a saber tooth has come and like killed your child like you need to constantly be hyper aware of you know what i mean like um like because like you know thousands and millions of years ago like a woolly mammoth may come and like steal your child and you may not know if you're only thinking about yourself. And so I think something actually happens in your brain chemistry where now you have to constantly be aware yeah. of somebody else's, um, you know, presence or safety. Yeah. I, I guess it's, it's this idea of, um, you know, like you dying to you at that point in life when you were in college, it wasn't like a big loss for you, but no. you losing a ch- your child no. was devastating loss that, you know, your, your mind and your whole, your body is not going to be able to comprehend. Like if you lose a child, and right. So and also what and simultaneously what it would mean if I died, because it directly affects the well-being of my child. Yes. Um, and yes. so I think and that's why I think um and I like I I really like when I hear about stories of parents losing their children, like or you know, mm. when I used to work, um I remember when I used to work in bone marrow transplant, pediatric bone marrow transplant. I used to work mm. there, I interned there for a year. Um I had a lot of children die that year. Um, And I remember after I had Lila, I think it was like the hormones, but I could not stop thinking about the kids that had died that year. Like they just kept popping up in my mind. And I just remember thinking, I thought I understood, but I had literally no clue. And even now I have no clue because to actually go through something like that, I can think that I can even feel a 1% empathy, but I can't because it's, it's the unthinkable, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Count our blessings for sure. We got to count our blessings every day. You know, I think about like my sister-in-law who had to deal with her son having leukemia and, um, and you know how he went through chemo for three years, you know, just every day, like you got to do this, you got to go through this and see your little baby go through chemotherapy and also just hoping for the best. But also I'm sure there were evenings where her and her husband, weren't able to sleep just the thought of what happens mm-hmm, you know if we mm-hmm, lose our boy mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that's a whole different ball game you know and stuff so we just got to count our blessings really count our blessings so, so if you want to talk about well, ultimate fear there you go there you go thank you sua for sharing yes, this was yes. very enlightening also cockroaches also cockroaches <laughs> i'm really really this you can never go to africa with me <laughs> so, i i mean yeah. i remember pastor peter ordered the do you remember when you order that weird net that you're gonna wrap Mosquito around net. your head? Yeah, you, you go need to bed. It. Do you remember? Because oh. you said that you didn't. Yeah, of course I remember that. Was, you need it. But it was like, no, but it was like a net that only goes place. around your head. It was just for your face. Yeah. Because you remember yeah. cockroaches no, were gonna go into your orifice. No, no, it's because I had, I had, I had my sleeping bag and I could zipper, zipper all the way up, and I just needed to cover my head. That's why I got that. <laughs> So you remember the most obscure things no, about I me? I remember like, because I you, you, you 
came to my office and said, Sua, I guess look at this cool thing that I bought. Because you had ordered it from oh, Amazon no. and it come to the office. And then you were showing me, I was like, what is this? You're like, it's for my head. So that cockroaches can't get into my face. I was like, what? <laughs> listen, listen, until you sleep on the floor of a, of a hut, no, I'm not. Randolfo, I can't. Sorry. You don't know what bugs are. They're just all over the place. I can't do it. And, you know, because it's a straw. It's a straw ceiling. They're all in I there. And know. once the lights go off, they all come out, man. It's hard gross. pass. It's hard pass. For a hard me. pass. Hard pass. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, that is a fear at a different level. But anyway, okay. So explain to us what we're going to talk about. I think this is really important. This could be incredibly practical for people. Go for it. Um, so we are continuing our series of how do you know? I think that's what it was called. It's been a while since we did the last one. How do you know? How do you know when to break up with a friend? I know we did. Did we do? Mm. I don't know if we did when to break up with a significant other, but I feel like this is a very kind of universal struggle because um, I know when I was in my teens um, and my 20s, friends meant not that friends don't mean a lot more to me now, like friends still mean a lot to me, but I think um the quality of friendships wasn't something that really I thought about. I think it was more for me yeah. like, oh, friends to hang out with, like yeah, someone to, mm -hmm. yeah, like have fun mm -hmm. with. Like that was kind of my barometer. But as right. I am getting older and also I'm watching my two girls make friendships themselves, it's becoming very clear to me that there are different types of friendships. Like there are different qualities mm. um, of friendships and some are good and some are very hurtful. And so I think yeah. that, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, but I know that there are times when sometimes we have to really evaluate um, the quality of the friendship that we're investing in and see, is this good for me or is this bad for me? Um, and so yeah. that's kind of why I thought we should talk about this. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts? It's a, it's just a, such a fantastic topic because I think at the end of the day, like, we don't take into account like, you know, like our own like dysfunctions and our own issues that we might struggle with, with by ourselves. And and like sometimes the thought of somebody not liking us or the thought of hurting somebody that, that we consider a friend and they consider a friend like that prevents us from doing something that's actually overall better for us mm -hmm, in our life mm -hmm. and for our overall health. We just will subject ourselves to more, you know, like just suffering because we don't want to end the friendship. Right. And I think we live in a culture now today where like, we care so much about how other people see us and what they think about us that we literally enslave ourselves to that. And so as a result, like we will, you know, just, you know, put ourselves in harm's way many times too. And, uh, you know, and it's hard. And then, or there's like the opposite effect. Um, like we will actually, um, like in some ways break off the friendship, but we'll do it sometimes so dysfunctionally where like we we will hurt that person so mm -hmm, deeply mm -hmm. um and just it, we're not supposed to create enemies that way you know and there's ways in how we can do this in a very adult and healthy way now whether they take that you know receive it like that that's really on them at the end of the day but we don't have to do it in such a way where it's dysfunctional and i think that's the hard part but just trying to draw the line of like when do we have to actually say something or when do we have to make that decision? Like, oh no, I can't really spend a lot of time with this person. Like, it's just not helpful for me. It's not helpful mm -hmm. for my soul. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. So this is a really difficult topic, but it's an important topic to talk about. So yeah, I think I think it is, I did think it is critical for us to 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 kind of talk through this. But like, so what I guess the question I have for you is like, when do you think we should consider changing? Like when at what point do we have to get to in a friendship with someone where we come to the realization of 
I don't think I can be friends with this person anymore. Like, I just don't think it's going to be like the friendship that maybe this person expected or I expected, but like, it's, we're at a point now where I don't think we can do this. And when do we have to start taking those steps of like, keep creating a distance between this person and us? Like, do you have any insight on that? I will preface this by saying that I am not somebody, I am probably not the average person when it comes to being able to end <laughs> friendships because what? i can why do you be, say that why do you no, say because that? i can be pretty um i don't know like in my in the korean the phrasing is like my mom used to always be like you're very denjonge which means like very cold like i can i can make very logical decisions without having my emotions be um mm. affecting them too much so which this could is be not good a, or bad. this is not a big challenge for you then it is not a big challenge now i will say it was more okay. of a challenge um when i was younger but even then um I probably erred on the side of doing it too callously than the side of yeah. doing it very considerately. Um, considerately, is that a word? Um, I would say that there are, and for, for me, I can look back and think of very specific friendships or relationships where they really gave me more stress and frustration than real joy. And this is not to say that all friendships are perfect because nobody is perfect. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I have learned over the years is that no friend is going to be everything to you. Um, yeah. Somebody yeah. has like, I was talking to my sister-in-law, Judy, recently because mm. she was like, oh, what do you like about that friend? And what do you like about this friend? Like, what makes them the friends that you have invested in these friendships mm. like over all these years? And I realized like every friend brings something different to the table yeah. for me. And I don't yeah. expect yeah. every single one of my friends to fulfill all 10 out of 10 roles of a friend, you know? However, yeah. um, I know there are certain friendships where when I think about this friend or hanging out with this friend, the overwhelming feeling I had was, oh my gosh, like I'm so stressed out. Like, oh my gosh, I am so frustrated. And I would say, and you can disagree or agree with me on this. I would say I had tried several times to have a conversation with this person and see if maybe the particular things that were bothering me could be resolved. Um, but it just, we were just ending in the same exact place over and over again. Yeah. And then I think that's kind of why I was like, you know what? I don't think this relationship is serving either of us. I just need to, we need to go our separate ways. This sounds very, yeah. very obscure and abstract. I'm, what are you thinking? No, no, Sue, I think that's great. You know, and, you know, I think part of this is because you're, you're a pretty healthy person. So you can just say, listen, I, I don't really care what you think about me. And mm -hmm. uh, like, I got to take care of me like yeah, right yeah, now. And so yeah. this is, not going to work. You've tried your best. And so I think what Sue is saying is that she's not saying like, you know, you have to hate the person or like never be in contact with them. But I think the reality is, is that you're no longer like, you know, the meet the parents, Robert De Niro, you're no longer like in the circle of trust, mm. you know, like you're, you're no longer in that group of people that I'm going to really like be like, I'm going to use my time and connect with and things like that. And I think when you're younger though, um, just because, you know, you want to, when you're younger, you want to be popular. Mm. Uh, I, I was thinking like high school, like I want to be so popular because I, I felt like popular kids never got picked on. You know, that was like the reason why I wanted to be popular because yeah, yeah. I just didn't want to get picked on anymore. So I'm like, if I can be popular, this is important. So like when you're young, you don't really know the depth of what real like significant relationships are at that time. So you just want to be friends with everyone. And so you don't really know this till you get a little bit older. And then you start to realize, wait a minute, I can't spend too much time with this person or that person. But I will say that coming from an abusive background, um, sometimes like, 
you know, I have put myself in positions where I felt like sometimes I had friends and like coworkers that I work with that I felt like kind of like was abusive towards me, mm. but I still, I still was their friend. Like I, it didn't matter, you know, like I just still wanted to like earn their friendship and things like that. And that's, that, that gets dangerous when you fall into places like that. And it didn't take, it took me a while before I can get sort of like comfortable in my own skin where I can just say, Hey, listen, um, Hey, no, no hard feelings, but like, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, of course I'm called to like love you and, you know, I mean, I'll like you, but I'm not going to like you enough where I'm going to want to hang out and really spend a lot of my time with you. And like, for me, like I'll give myself to probably about three or four people in my life where I feel like I can really give my quality time with and like, like I can be vulnerable and very honest with and things like that. But outside of that, like, I just don't feel like I can, I have the bandwidth to have more friends like that. And so that's really uh, like a challenge. But I've had moments where I've had to sit with somebody and just realize, yeah, we're not gonna like I just like I just said to them like we're not gonna be friends like the way that we used to be. Um, you know, it's just it's just you know like I hope you don't take it personally, but we're just not gonna be friends like that anymore. And um, and you know at that point it's it's really how they take it. But you know at the same time we're still cordial, but we're not like close like we used to be. But yeah, I think I think the great thing about friendship is that once respect is lost in that relationship. Mm -hmm it's really hard to be friends again. You know, so like if you feel like, at least for me, when I feel like I've been really disrespected by a friend, um, it's hard to like be, want to be a friend with that person because friendship with, what really allows a friendship to like really grow and and um, and be a blessing in your life is is respect. Without respect, you're not going to, you know, because we have choices. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to stay friends with somebody very long if they keep disrespecting us. And I would say that that probably a, a big signal. If you're, if you're friends with some people and they actually disrespect you regularly, um, that's probably a, a sign that you should probably think about, you know, separating yourself from that person. And, you know, I'm not about like just ending relationships, but like you shouldn't be in a relationship where it's that dysfunctional, where the person is actually kind of like the, you know, they're, they're, um, they're disrespecting you. And, um, and yet, you know, you're still friends with them. And I would say that that's probably a place where that person is probably in a place of greater power than you are. And so as a result, that's why that person feels like they can disrespect you. So I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like that, Sua, but I have, you know, I have. And so like, those are probably like, like, at least for me, the one key indicator that you should move on from that friendship and, um, and, uh, and create some distance with that person. Because if that person is constantly disrespecting you, then he doesn't, he or she doesn't really see you as their friend. So that would be my thoughts on that one. Any thoughts uh, with you? Yeah, and I think it actually, you know, it's interesting because it's, um, I have lived through, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a bo both boy and girl friendship kind of thing. I only see the girls part because I'm a girl and also I have two girls. And so I see a lot mm. of the way friendship dynamics work within the girl circle. Um, and it's very interesting because now that I have lived it, I'm 40 years old, I've lived girl friendships, but then now I see my girls navigating this world. And sometimes like it really triggers me because it reminds me of certain things that happen in my own life. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's not healthy either because I'm projecting on them, like something that might not even be real, but I'm just kind of putting my own experiences on them and being like, I bet you she's doing this because of A, B, and C, which might not actually be yeah. true. You know, um, I definitely agree with the respect part. And again, it sounds weird, but you can see this playing out even in very young friendships. And so even for mm. my like 11 year old, mm. I could see certain friends or best friends of hers um, being very disrespectful. And I know that sounds strange because what does like disrespect look like for an 11 year old? But I think it's very yeah. basic things like, you know, um, there were friends who sometimes would threaten to not be her friend if she didn't do this for you or like, oh, it, you know, or asking her to do things that are clearly 
uh, beyond the boundaries of like what a friendship should entail um, or threatening behavior, things like this. It, that's all disrespect, right? And yeah. obviously that looks different based on the age and like the stage mm -hmm. of the friendship. Um, but I think that um, another thing that I found interesting, and this is maybe more for like the teen, late teens to 20s. I had friends that I kind of strung along because I felt like, I could save them or I could rescue them from like their horrible. Yes. And yes. this was, um, they would give me so much anxiety and stress. And remember, I am not a stressful, stressed out or anx anxious person to begin with. So imagine how much stress this person was giving me mm. or these people, but they would just be hot messes. Like all the time, they would yeah. just make bad yeah. decisions, put yeah. themselves in horrible situations. And then they would come to me for my counsel, quote unquote, like, give me your advice. And then I would give them all of this advice. And then I would feel really good about myself because I'm like, oh, look, I'm giving this person really, really solid advice. Like I'm such a good friend. And it made me feel good about myself. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of the times these, these friendships con like continue to happen in my life because it made me feel like there was a certain power hierarchy where mm, I was this mm. wise sage of a friend and this person just needed my rescue. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, like I never quite rescued any of these friends successfully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened to them, but it wasn't me who rescued them if things went well. Um, you look like you have something to say. No, I, you know, I think, I think the thing is, is that um, one of the questions I want to ask you is that I've noticed that some people and um, that they purposely want to get themselves in relationships with people that have a lot of drama in their life mm. um where they love to like in some sense like they love to give advice but more than give advice they love to be around that drama because they just love hearing like literally like the, the the challenges of other people's lives and like they literally just surround themselves with a lot of people with that kind of issues like what what is up with that kind of people like I, it's, I, i've tried to wrap my mind around that like trying to understand people like that like, how could they always just surround themselves with like, like people that maybe they want to save, you know, and stuff like that. But like, I'm just trying to figure out and, I, and I've, I've talked, I've talked about this with somebody once and I was just like, I just don't understand people like mm -hmm. that, that, that only surround or that they really enjoy surrounding themselves with people with a lot of drama, whether it be broken marriages and all that kind of stuff. And they just like to be in the center of that and just kind of like, you know, give advice and be there for them and, and stuff like that. And like, I just don't understand, like, why would people give so much of their valuable time to that because i don't know if they're really pursuing them because they really love them but i think they're just pursuing them because they love the drama like can you help me like understand a little bit about that i mean i, I am I still the can't wrong person to ask about that yeah. i, have, I to totally see what you mean though like i do yeah. see that there is a pattern where people i mean i just even when um i remember years ago when uh, one of my coworkers got diagnosed with cancer there was a friend who she hadn't talked to for months and then suddenly when my friend got diagnosed this friend started acting like she was her best friend and she started posting on her social media about like oh my best friend got diagnosed with cancer and my friend was so mm. mad and she was like you are being a parasite right now like you are trying wow. to live off of the drama of my life and so yes. i know this is something yes. that totally happens um in you know on like in many occasions. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure because to be, to okay. me, like, I don't like drama <laughs> and I don't like friends who have drama. So I mean, I, like, or purposeful drama. Like, I mean, obviously everybody yeah. have drama sometimes. Uh, I, but I really think there's something to like, it's an ego thing. Like, I really think it's an ego thing. Yes. I really think that yes. it does feel important. 
when yeah. somebody confides in us, like the real like big dramas of their lives or like when people have like a really, really bad thing going on and they confide in us. I think it makes mm. us feel important and it makes us feel mm. like um, powerful because, mm -hmm. you know, secrets make you feel powerful. Like Actually, that's why, right. you know, when young kids, especially like um, like I see it in my girls, <laughs> never like, thought about that. They share secrets with each other and it's yeah. such a power. You That's know, true. like, oh, I know something that that person doesn't know. Mm, um, mm. Or I know something about this girl that that girl doesn't know. And it makes me feel I'm a more important friend or I'm like mm. a closer friend. And I think it's like um, a weird leveraging thing, you know? Wow. Wow. No, no I, you know what? You just helped me to see something that I hadn't seen before. And I think you're absolutely right with that. Absolutely right. Um, what are the other signs, though, Sua, that you feel like? Ha do you have an example recently, like with a friend or something like that? Um, that you've had to just say, hey, we got to we got to take a step back here. Like, you know, like, you know, we can be cordial, but we're not going to be like friend friends anymore. Has that ever happened to you where you've had to kind of draw the line? I will say that now that I'm in my 40s, um, I can say that I'm 40. Yeah, I'm in my 40s. Um, Congratulations, <laughs> audience. If you don't know, <laughs> a couple you. weeks ago, Stuart <laughs> turned the big four. -0. Yes, so I'm in my fourth anything? decade. How come you didn't do anything for your four? -0? -0? I really—that's uh, another thing about me. I really don't like attention. It really stresses me out. So I will say the most, one of the most stressful occasions of my life, 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 stress, stressful occasions of my life was when I would do like when I would my friends lovingly would throw me showers, which I think they're it's very loving. But then the, people would watch me for an hour and a half open presents. It really, really stresses me out. Yeah, like people yeah. staring at me or like yeah. making a big deal. Um, like, and I know I, I'm not knocking on anybody who like mm. loves it because I think it's the way we're wired, right? Like I know people who mm. love birthdays, like they celebrate yeah, birthday yeah, months. Yeah, For me, yeah. it's like nothing. Just let's just, you know, and I know people are like, oh, is this because like you have some kind of emotional unhealth, like where you can't celebrate yourself? No, I really don't think so. It's just that I don't like having people fuss over me. Like it just stresses me out. Anyways, sorry, we're completely on a different topic. Um, well, no, 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 no. But I, I identify with that because I'm turning 50 yes. in like a month and a half. Yes. And Jenny's like, should we do something? And I'm like, I honestly, I don't really want to do anything. You know, like, I just don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, don't, I know 50 is a milestone and my friends have like, really, they've helped me a lot. Like realize you should just celebrate your life yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I'm just like, well, yeah, no, no, I get that. But at the end of the day, like, I just, I don't know. I don't like that. The idea of having something where all the focus is on me. It's kind of weird. So we did it for my 40th, right? You were part of my 40th birthday. Yes. But I just don't know. Like, party. Yeah, I don't know about the 50. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't think I'm going to do anything. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I identify with that. But any event. Okay, well, go ahead. Keep. Well, keep no. So I think what I was saying was um, after I had, I think having kids is actually a very interesting experience because mm. you have so little time in your life. Yeah. You really start pruning some of the relationships in your life where you really mm. focus on the ones that you really want to invest in. Um, and it happens yeah. very naturally. Like when I was in my thirties or actually, no, I should say twenties because I had kids at 27. But when I was in my twenties, um, I could hang out with a lot of people because I had a lot of free disposable time. Um, and I had more disposable income because the kids weren't sucking it all away. And so I could hang out with friends whenever I wanted, like after school, after work, like, sure. Like we'll hang out, like we'll go have coffee. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah. But then as soon as you have kids, it even becomes a challenge, especially the first few years to maintain even your close friendships. And so you're no longer thinking like, how can I hang out with all of the people in the world? You just, why are you smiling? <laughs> I was like, especially on Metro salary. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, limited resources when, when it comes to Metro salary. Yeah. I just want to say though, that, um, I'm getting paid even less now. 
that I used to, I don't even have a job. <laughs> but thankfully, like, your husband is getting paid exponentially more. So you're okay. I have it zero. all evens out. It all evens out. <laughs> That's why it's I'm laughing because you're like, yeah, I've got time to spend negative money. Negative balance. Like, yeah, especially on our uh, salary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, yes, fair. Um, yeah, so like I think that um, a lot mm. of, I think it's hard to say recently because I think the friendships that I have kept and maintained, it was a very intentional thing on my part. And yeah. I chose to invest in those friendships because of like the quality that they offered. I will say um, friendships, now I feel like I'm like going all over the place, but when I think back about the friends that I made when I was young, especially like my tween teen years, they yeah. were very, very formative relationships. And I think we really don't think about how, um, how much of an influence mm. the friends and the social networks and the kind and the patterns that you build making friendships at that age impact the rest of your life. Um, mm. Because I still have friends from high school that I haven't seen for years, but I know that when we meet or talk, it still feels very natural. And I think it's because we shared such a formative time of our lives together. Mm. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I'm going to think back to my daughter, um, my older daughter, she had this one friend and every day she would get off the bus and she would have something new about what this friend did to her. And that it made yeah. her so upset. Like it was constantly an up and down, up and down, up and wow. down. And I think that's when I realized like, you know, we think it's because she's 11, but I have, I know there are people who have friendships like that, that are constantly making their emotions go up and down, up and down, mm. and there's no stability to the relationship. Um, mm. And I feel like that is something that you need to reevaluate. If your mm. friendship mm. is not, especially after many, many years of being friends, your friendship is not stable. Like you feel like it's always endangered or at risk based on something. I feel like you should think about like, why do we not have a solid foundation to our friendship? You know, like, why yeah. is it that I always feel like this person um, may or may not be my friend based on something that I say or do, you know? Um, the other thing yeah. is, I think it is important to think about, is this a friend? Like, is this friend somebody who I trust to give me counsel? Like, I'm not saying we should do everything yeah. that our friends tell us, but you can see from a person's life, like, is this somebody who makes good decisions in their lives? And if some, if this person gave me some advice or counsel, would I consider it seriously? Or would I be like, oh my gosh, why am I taking advice from you? And if your reaction would be, why would I be taking advice from you? Then why are you spending all this time and energy investing into a relationship where you wouldn't, you would completely dismiss any, any word yeah. or advice that this person gave you? You know, because spending time with somebody is, again, a formative experience. You are allowing mm. your soul yeah. to be spending time with somebody that yeah. you're completely not taking seriously or respecting, right? So uh, I guess I guess the question I have is at what point, because, you know, in any friendship, if it's if it's significant and it's important, um, you know, uh, to you, there's going to be ups and downs in any friendship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think the problem with some people is, is that, like, they don't leave any margins for, like, errors or mistakes mm, yeah you know like yeah. because sometimes just it, we're sinful people and in our own sinful nature we will do things to our friends that we you know as we get closer that happens uh where there'll be times when we might disrespect them you know and stuff like that like you know at what point is like no it's good for us to forgive them and continue their friendship and then at what point it's like no we actually need to like we gotta we gotta create a boundary here like i don't want to be a friend anymore like at that level um i guess that's kind of like the hard part i guess people are struggling with because, like, do you think gossip, like, somebody, like, if a friend of yours, you, if you heard of, you found that a friend actually gossiped about you, is that, is that grounds for, like, a, like, I'm saying a friend that you really loved and cared for, is that grounds for, okay, 
That's it. Draw a boundary. I just love to get your thoughts on that because I think people really struggle. Like, where is the line here? Like, how do we how do we know now? Like, when we should really separate ourselves from this person, you know, and stuff. And I just would love to kind of get your thoughts, especially as I'm sure you have sat next to or talked on phones with people who've actually struggled with certain people in their lives and stuff like that. I'd love to kind of get your thoughts. Like, at what point? Like, is it just really about us forgiving and continuing the relationship? You know, because it's a very valuable relationship. And at what point is just, I'll see you later. I mean, I feel like that's always, you know, I, I, that's such like a, it's a hard million question, dollar question because even yes. for relationship advice that I have given out or um, marriage advice, it's always, the question is always, when do you know to stay and work harder or when to walk away? Like, this is like the million dollar question, right? Um I think to give a cheeky kind of answer, I, you know, when you say it would, would it be okay if you found out your friend gossiped about you? I don't know. Do you gossip about your friend? I mean, you say mm. it as if like, this is not something that happens all the time, but I know plenty of people who gossip about people that they say are their friends. And so I feel like, to be honest, it kind of would depend on what your own standard is as a friend. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Cause like for me, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would be okay with a friend who was gossiping about me. I mean, but I also really don't gossip about my friends, but I know people who think it's okay. So mm. and I'm not saying like, I'm not passing judgment. I'm literally just saying people have different ideas of what a friendship means to them. And so um, I think it's very hard to say black and white. Like here are um, the things that you should absolutely not tolerate in a friendship versus these, like even any relationship, like even in a romantic relationship, I have friends who literally were like, oh, he cheated on me, but it was only one time. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, I'm not mm. passing judgment. I'm just saying, like, it's very hard to say this is the standard. It's so hard. It's um, so hard. It really I, I, is. For me, I usually just gauge it by, and this is a very, um, like, almost too, like, formulaic way of thinking about it. But I try to kind of gauge it by um, input versus output. <laughs> mm -hmm, so, like, mm -hmm. if I am not getting a positive output that is proportionate at least proportionate to the input yeah. that i am putting in i honestly feel like it's not worth it for me um yeah. again i'm not saying that i would just walk away from this friend and be like oh like i hate them but it's yeah. more like quality friendships require intentional investment if your friendships are not requiring any energy output for you I don't really know if those are like really your friends, you know, right. I feel like any relationship that is worth having requires some level of intentionality on your part and some level of sacrifice and some level of investment. If you're not, if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of friends that you feel like, oh, I never have to do anything for these friendships. They just are always there. I don't know if like how good of a quality friendship that really yes. is. Um, if I am putting something in, if I am investing yes. in this friendship to meet with them, to, um, pray for them to um, really think through their um, goods and bats for them, then I think that it, th there should be some kind of reciprocal output for me that is positive. It could literally be mm -hmm. as simple as when I hang out with this person, I just am so happy. Like I have friends who literally, when I just hang out with them for two hours, I feel like an infinitely happier version of myself. I'm just so happy. Like I had so much fun. You know, they just give me mm -hmm. joy. It could be as simple as that. You know, it doesn't even mm -hmm, have to be like every mm -hmm. time I hang out with this person, I feel like Jesus has kissed me on the face, which I have heard somebody <laughs> told me. Somebody was like, oh, this person is like a kiss from Jesus. I was like, oh, that's a very strange way of describing your that's friendship. That's kind of weird, okay. man. Okay, yeah. Um, 
whatever works for them, I guess. Yes, yes. But yes. you know, like I feel like I'm not saying what the positive outcome has to be, but there has to be right. something that I get in return that is a positive influence for me. And if I feel like 90% is me sacrificing, 90% is me being stressed out, and 90% yeah. is me being putting the energy in, but then I'm getting really very, very little out of it that rewards me or is giving me life, then yeah. I feel like it's a you should start questioning like what purpose does this friendship have or this relationship have yeah. in my life? You yeah. Know? So how many, how many like like close, close friends you would say like that you have in your life? Oh, that's just give an audience. Just me, a, this is gonna give me a put me a in rough the number here. Zone. Like how many close friends do you think you have? Close friends, like yeah. really, really close friends, yeah. like best friends, close friends. Mm -hmm. Three. Okay. Three point right. five. Three point 3.5. Because you know what? Know. Some of them are because you, the reason why is also because um I live geographically now kind of away from a lot of my friends. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that it's not as um there's like a barrier there that puts the energy output already a little bit low because I can't hang out with them all the time. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um but yeah, I would say like at max five, max is five, somewhere between three to five is probably okay. where I would, what, how many do you think oh, you have? Man, it's, it's tough. Um, really tough for me. I would say for me, I think it's about six to seven people mm. that I have. And the reason why I say that is, is for me, these six to seven people in my life, I'm incredibly loyal to. Mm. Like that's one of my faults. Loyalty is one of my faults. It's like sometimes I'm too loyal, but like these six or seven people, they could do wrong to me and I would still forgive them and still want to be friends with them. Um, because these mm. six or seven people have always shown me some form of care in my life. They've always been there for me during difficult times. You know, these are oftentimes the folks I would go to and they would give me advice you know, things like that. These are people that just really love me. And I know without a shadow of that, they just love me for just who I am. That's it. And like, for me, like, I feel like the leash is a lot longer. Like they would have to do some real bad things to me. Like even gossip, I could forgive them for that. Because we all have our moments. I don't even know what you mean you know, by like, gossip. Well, I'm just saying like, if, if somebody, if they say something negative about me, I don't know, like, yeah, you know, like, like I don't know if, if somebody was saying something bad about me or something like that, and then they just kind of join in on that, and then rather than defend me, I, I would love for them to defend me, but if they had a vulnerable moment, they couldn't. I don't know, like I'd just be like, all right, and they kind of participated in that, and what you know, it's whatever. But I would love for them to defend me, but like because we've have a real relationship, and I've had a real authentic relationship with them, I know them, and so you know, I I won't hold that fully against them because we've had that mutual care and love for each other. So for me, like those folks are like, they're just like family to me. So like for me, it's, I will always be a support, a love and a care for them. And I feel like they've done that for me. Um, so for me, it would be really hard for me to say, okay, I, I need to, I need to separate myself from you. But don't you um, think that, and maybe this is why this question is hard to answer is I feel like. It is very hard to answer. The reason why though, is because the friends you have maintained at 50 are not the, 50. the friends that the friendships yeah. that you have at 15 
18 yeah, or 20 or 25 yep yep, even 30, yep or 30 you know yep. like these mm-hmm. are friendships that you have been vetted by yeah. time and life yeah. stages yeah. um and all the things that have happened in between and so yeah. i feel like the strength of the friendships and the foundation of friendships at 40 or 50 are very different from the friendships that you have yeah. like i almost feel like you're right. Like there's pr- probably almost nothing that a friend, that, like a close friend you have at 50 yeah. could really do at this point to make you really feel like, um, because that's, I don't know, like what could yeah. really happen at this point, you know? Yeah, um, and really. I, think, what, what... I guess this question is more geared for me towards like a younger demographic. If we have any younger I guess demographic so. people listening, um, yeah. or like moms of kids who are navigating friendships, I would say. Um, because yeah, I, one of the things is like, I watch my kids and I watch them as they navigate their friendships. And um, apparently 11, I think they said something about 10 to 11 is the age in which um, the process starts happening where kids start aligning themselves with their peers instead of their family of origin. And so Mm -hmm. they found this very interesting thing where um, apparently at eight years old, so until eight years old, approximately there's something in your brain chemistry that lights up differently when you hear your mom call you so if you if i if i'm your mom and i say peter until you're eight years old a different part of your brain lights up because you're tied to your mom right like it's something with like the hormones i think um and probably also in terms of evolutionary biology like you need it your mom was probably your safeguard so like you kind of need to be specially attuned to her Mm -hmm. voice so that like you can survive Mm -hmm. But apparently something happens right around the age of eight where it's just tuning out. And so now you're starting this process of aligning yourself with your peers instead of your family. And it really, really starts to matter what your peers think about you and what your peers are doing. Um, And, you know, you want to spend all your time with your friends instead of being at home. Like a subtle shift is happening. And I think that's why um, I really have to think about this idea of like, what kind of friends do I want to pray for my daughters um, to have? Mm. Because they're leaving the family of origin where we, in an ideal setting, love them unconditionally, speak life to them, give them positive affirm. Ideally, not always, but ideally, a family yeah. should be able to give you that, a sense of security yeah. Yeah. that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what anyone says, you know you can go home and your family loves you and thinks you're the bee's knees. But now yeah. you're starting to align yourself with peers who will not give you that. They don't owe them that because they're not their parents. They're not their family. And so now you're sending them into this world where their sense of their entire sense of identity is based on what other 11, 12, 13-year-old girls are saying to them. And that really, you want to talk about fear? That really, really scares yeah. me because yeah. that is a form, the way those friends, I have met people who still to this day are traumatized by the interactions that they've had in high school um, Mm -hmm. because of how others treated them or the words that others said to them or the way their boyfriend or girlfriend treated them. Yeah. These things are lifelong things. The identity of who you viewed yourself to be in the circle of friendships in high school, like a lot of times follow you for the rest of your life. Yes. You know? And so, yes. but I think my point is we have, we have agency. And I think that's what I wish somebody had told me mm. in high school is that we have choices that we can make. We're not just some helpless fish caught in this like crazy, like current, and we just have to go along with whatever. I think that what I would want to tell my children is like, you guys can make a choice. Like you have agency in this situation and you don't have to succumb or surrender to whatever other people want of you like you can make quality friendships 
and um, choose the ones that give you life. I don't know if this is unrealistic, to be honest. I mean, you've had kids go through, I don't know, maybe like, like they're mostly done now with high school, right? So have you ever seen them like having to go through yeah, a fun yeah, challenge? Yeah, I'll give a, I'll give a, I'll give a great example of my son Christian. Um, he's so he's so different from me. Like mm -hmm. I, I wish I could be like him when I was in high school mm -hmm. because, you know, I think early on in high school and, and it might have been high freshman year or eighth grade, he had this friend that he would connect with over time, mm -hmm. and you know they would connect, and um this friend actually like one day just said to him he said christian you know you're my best friend you know like i see you as my best friend um do you see me as your best friend and my son he just couldn't lie you know so he just was like um he just said i don't know mm. and he was so hurt by that that guy was so hurt mm. by that he completely separated himself from him um and actually started um taking some of christian's friends away from him in school oh my gosh yeah wow. like really like taking like his like so christian had a closer friendship with some other person and like this guy was just intentionally trying to take him away and like mm. spend a lot more time and it was working you know it was working so i tried to unpack that with him like hey are you okay with this like how's it going and stuff and does it does it bother you and stuff and you know i'm not sure because my son is not he doesn't i don't know if he's processed it properly he goes, no, it's fine. He's like, you know, whatever. It's, you know, it is what it is. And I just said, well, listen, I just said, I, I know I'm proud that you were able to be like, you didn't lie to him and just say yes for the sake of not getting him upset. But at the end of the day, this is just how the world works sometimes, you know, like people that you're friends with sometimes, you know, they want, they expect something from you. And if you don't, then they'll just kind of turn on you like this. And I was like, you know, I just hope that you don't think everyone's going to be like that to you, but this is just part of life and, and kind of, the ebb and flow of being in high school and stuff like that. So, and he was fine. I mean, he, he didn't have no ill effects about it or anything like that, but he was never friends with him really ever again, you know, after that. And they're still in high school together, mm -hmm. you know, um, to this day. So, yeah. So, you know, I think like from what people have, like what you and I have talked about right now is that when we feel disrespected, uh, that could be potentially moments where we feel like do we might need to maybe, um, part ways or create a distance with this person because you don't want to be around toxic people mm. um a lot and so this these are people you know that that might be doing that i think you said sua like if you're if you're always giving 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 and you're doing everything and the other person's not doing anything then i think that's probably another like maybe a sign it's probably important for you to think about creating some distance the other aspect we said is that if you're the only one caring for this person and you feel like the person is not really caring about you mm. That's probably another side. Like, this is not, you know, probably a friendship worth pursuing. But I guess my question is this, Sua. What happens if you really don't have any friends and you have, like, one? And you're just, like, and the person is tough. Like, this is something that for you and me might be foreign because, mm -hmm. Sua, you have a plethora of people that want to be in your inner circle or your circle of trust, right? I think I have some people the same way. They want to be sort of in my circle of trust. But what happens if you don't have anyone that wants to be in that circle of trust? And like you might have this one person and like they're struggling, you're struggling with this person, but you're kind of in this place like, this is the only friend I got. Like, do I, should I separate myself from this person and then just be by myself for the rest? Like, just not have a friend anymore? Like, I don't know. So, no, this like, is an you, interesting you question. Movies like I Love You, Man, and stuff like that. Like, for men, this is a legit question because men, we don't have a lot of friends. Okay. Some of us don't have any friends. That's a whole you know? other topic that maybe we can talk about another time. I feel like, 
men okay. and lack of friendships is a whole no i mean it really is and actually there's entire oh, absolutely entire studies dedicated to why men have no friends and why men are so lonely yeah. at all and you know about this because you've preached yep. about this and so yep. that's like yep. a whole other thing um you know i don't again i don't at the risk of sounding a little bit callous i think that if a person has no friends um i'm just going to be very honest it's probably honest, time girl. to do some self exploration and awareness yeah. um because yeah. unfortunately yeah. i think the common denominator yeah. is probably you i don't Damn, say this girl. with any judgment I, love when you keep it 100 no, I mean listen i don't say this to be like oh yeah. like you suck or like you're terrible i really think that um okay so backtrack a little bit this is so good by the way keep going no keep it okay. this is so important for people to hear right now that like i don't know if i have any friends like i love what you're saying here well, this so is I'll honest truth love. so i'll come back to yeah, it go. because all right, um, all right all right all right so um, my daughter, and I don't want to like share too much because like she's not at the age where she can consent to these things being public, but um, she's very interesting because when she had her issues with her friends, her attitude was oh, like, I remember one time I said to her, Lila, it's better to have no friends than to have fake friends. And she looked at yeah. me and she said, why would I have no friends? I have tons of friends. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like she literally has never considered the possibility of not having friends. Okay. Very secure person. Um, but you know, I hate to say this because I feel like it's one of those things that are completely out of our control, but I really, yeah. really do believe. And I say this to say that I'm not judging people when they struggle with this. I really think so mm. much of how we do friendships and relationships in general stems from the way our parents kind of parented us mm -hmm. at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I'm not passing judgment on people who struggle with mm -hmm. this because mm -hmm. our parents are supposed to be little models of God's unconditional love, mm -hmm. right? They're supposed to tell us that we're beautiful. They're supposed to tell us that we're great. They're supposed to tell us that we are um, going to do great things. Like they're supposed to tell us all of the good things and say, no matter what you do, I will never stop fighting for you. I will never stop loving you. Like that's yeah. what parents are supposed to do because they're supposed to model yeah. in a small, tangible way, God's love for us. But I know so many people who did not get that from their parents. And so mm. it's impossible in many ways for those people to then go into the world and not seek that from the other relationships that they have for somebody yeah. like me or somebody like my kids, hopefully because we've gotten that. I'm not saying it's easy for everybody, but at least we know in our, in the back of our minds, you know what? I, I know who I am though. Like I know my parents still yeah. love me. So you have yeah. that at least one person, but a lot of us don't get that. A lot of us got conditional love and mm. um, expectations instead of, you know, just, um, affirmation. And so I know that when we go out into the world, we're seeking those things from other people. Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. It, they, there's too much on the line. Like when I mm. say break up with that friend, it's, it's unthinkable. It's inconceivable yeah. because that friendship means and represents so much more than just a friendship. Like it represents yeah. a lifeline. It represents the only person that I might have. And I, I get that these are all legitimate fears. And I know it's not yeah. our fault that we struggle with these things, you know? Um, but I will also say when I've seen relationships, like I'm talking about romantic relationships and I talked about this in previous episodes where it gets really, really toxic. Mm. It's usually because one party is expecting from the other party things that 
they cannot give or fill. And I think this pattern also is seen in friendships where I have seen friends expect from me things that I cannot give them. Like they want me to give them a sense of purpose or a sense of identity or a sense of security. And these Mm. are not things Mm. that I can give you. And I sound like a stupid broken record, but I really think that if you are somebody who is just struggling to make friendships, um, I think you need to start with yourself and say, what do I expect of my friendships and what am I seeking from them that I cannot get from them? And, you know, um, I mean, don't you, don't you, that's, that's like the, I a hundred percent agree with that. Common fundamental of every relationship is you got to start with yourself and say, what is it that I'm expecting? Like, what am I trying to fill here? And I think, um, again, sounding like a broken record, you've got to get your sense of purpose and identity from God. I'm going to say this really, really quickly because um, I've said this before, but, and I say it even funnier because I think I recently said, Lila told me she doesn't remember saying this, but I have a friend that I will go unmentioned who has made this comment that Lila made as her phone background (laughs) because she says she wants a daily reminder of this. But I know it's from the spirit because Lila doesn't remember saying it. But I remember when I asked Lila when she was 10 years old and she was getting baptized and I asked Mm, her, one of the mm. questions was, what what has changed for you since you became a follower of Christ? And she very readily was like, I will give you three answers. And her first one was, she said, and I know you've heard this before, but I think it's a really good reminder. Um, The first one was, she said, when she used to do bad things, she used to feel like a bad person and feel really, really guilty. But she knows that because God tells her that she, he forgives her. She doesn't feel guilty about the things that she does anymore. Mm. The mm. second one is she says that before when people used to do really bad things to her or say mean things to her, like you're stupid or you're whatever, she used to believe them. But after she mm. became a Christian, after she started following Jesus, she listens to what Jesus said to her. And she said, God said, I am good. So I don't listen to those people. And the third one was, she said, when people do mean things to me, I used to want to do bad things back. But now because God mm. forgave me, I don't, I don't want to do bad things. I forgive them. And I think that therein lies the fundamentals of who we are, um, that Mm. God sees us as good. God forgives Mm. us no matter what we do. And he wants us to do the same for others. And I think, to be honest, that's literally the fundamentals of every relationship. But it starts with Mm. us. If we can't acknowledge that God forgives us and God sees us as good, then we're going to go seeking that affirmation and identity from other people. And that's where it starts going askew. So deep. So, so, so deep. Yeah. And Lila doesn't remember saying this. That's why I think it's from the spirit. Um, I just, I hope you guys don't, 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 I hope you didn't miss what Sua just said. If you're really struggling to find friends and stuff like that, it could potentially be you. Um, The issue could be you. And I think what she just ended with is really important for us to be reminded of is that if you don't know that you are good in God's eyes, if you don't know that you are deeply, deeply loved Mm -hmm. by God, then you will always look for it in other people. Mm -hmm. And that expectation is just, no one can meet that expectation. And so I think that's really important. The the idea of if if you want to be a good friend, uh, probably the big thing to do is just really find your identity and your hope in Jesus Christ. And that'll really help and open the doors for you to be the kind of friend that I think people would want to be around, right? Because we have choices. People have choices to make. I think that's really difficult. And so if you're struggling right now because you don't have really any friends, but you have maybe one but they're just killing you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a friendship. I just want you to know that's not a mm-hmm. friendship. 
and you can probably let go of that one. And I know that, that might be really scary for you because you're saying, well, well, I don't have anyone else. I totally get it. But if you can like do what Sua says, work on yourself, find your identity um, in God. Um, and part of that is that you need some healing. You know, we talked about this in the previous podcast about getting emotional, healthy, and, and maybe meeting with a counselor uh, to help you heal from some of that stuff so that you can really find your identity in God. Like those are really important aspects so that you can make the right choices and be the kind of person I think that other people want to be around. That's really key. You know, that really is key. And, and I've noticed this because like I've noticed this with family members, especially as, as you said, when we get older, like my, my, um, my, my, uh, my wife's side of the family, like her brother and sisters, they love spending time with their parents. Mm. I think it's weird. Like they really love spending time with them. I'm just like, man, this is like such a weird family. Um, like they would like, they love going on vacations together as a family. Like they, that they look forward mm. to this stuff. Like, oh, I can't wait to go on vacation. Like, it's almost like, wow, this is kind of weird. Like I, sometimes I'm like, I'm trying to rationalize it. Is this idol worship? Are they idol worshiping oh my their gosh. parents? But it's not, it's really not. Because at the end of the day, it's like, they just really love them. They have, they've had a good relationship. You know, they've been through a lot together as a family. So they've been through all this stuff and they just really love being around each other. And I think they are characteristics of like, you know, I love being around my parents. So now I'm going to be with them and I'm going to, you know, uh, be in a friendship relationship with them. But it really is. It's so peculiar that they actually have a friendship relationship with their parents. And it's just a, kind of like the weirdest thing. But yeah, I just, you know, like you said, like it's it's how we grew up. And if we didn't grow up in homes where, um, you know, we, we didn't have healthy models and like, even like people who get to our age, like we don't want to be with our parents. Like if we didn't grow up in a good home, like we have choices too, like even mm -hmm. blood related relatives, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to hang out mm -hmm. with these people. And so I think the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, we have choices here. And I think the best thing is like, yeah, like people should choose to want to be a friend, you know, be your friend, but it's not going to happen unless we really do find our identity in God and, and realize that. Our, the love that we have from him, the care, um, he fills me up. And as a result of that, I can be friends with somebody and I don't, I don't have to long for that, you know, from them. Because if we do long for that, then we'll be disappointed and that'll be bad. So, so I think you ended this really beautifully. I think any, any other wise words before we, was, uh, we close out today, any other wise say, words um, from the I don't know if this sounds like heretical, but I was like, I was thinking about, um, because relationships, right? Like we're talking about friendships, but like relationships in general are so, um, like are so, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's it's like fundamental and essential to even like our faith, right? Like I think about yeah. God and I think about the Trinity and I think about them, like God creating us. And it's like, why? You know, I think Tim Keller had said something about how the only reason mm. why a Trinitarian God would have created us is because they wanted fellowship and, um, mm, you know, mm. because they want to share with us, right? Like share goodness yeah. with us. And um, it, it, even like the Trinity is like, they're one, but they're all whole individually. And I think mm. sometimes that's where we go wrong is I think we try to complete us with somebody else. You know, we try to say, well, if we just had this one best friend, then my life would mm. be great. And then, mm. I, you know, I wouldn't be this sad or I wouldn't be whatever. But we we with God have to become whole on our own um, yeah. before we try to seek that. And, and then I realized the best friendships, like, yes, of course, sometimes we give each other like words of advice or words of encouragement. But 
honestly, and maybe this is just me. Maybe you can tell me this is not you. I feel like with my friendships, especially at this point, like they're just, it's a lot of joy for me. Like it's just a lot of sharing yeah. of like really yeah. great things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I hang out with them or when I talk to them, like there's so much laughter and there's just like a celebration. Yeah. And I think yes. that is for me goals, hashtag goals. Like it really, it's, it's so much like less than, you know, putting a burden on them and saying, oh, I'm going through this drama, like help me. Of course that happens. But honestly, the yeah. overarching theme for me in my friendships is there is a genuine celebration of what's going on in each yeah. other's lives and just yeah. joy of yeah. spending time together, you know? And um, and I think what's really important is this, like, you know, you have really good friends when they celebrate your mm -hmm, like achievements right. and accomplishments. Right. Like they're just as happy. Like they're not jealous about it. That's right. You know, like what about me? But they're actually like just so proud and they just celebrate it as if it was their own achievement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are like the best friends to have. Like, yeah. Just like, oh, this is this is amazing. So any event, yeah, I would definitely, definitely say that. So Sua, this was great. Thank you for your for your I wisdom like, on this I know, stuff. I feel this like we so were good. like kind of all over the place, but <laughs> yeah, it's, but, but, but I think I put up, but we landed the plane really well. Okay. I do want to say though, it gets better. Like it gets better with age <laughs> in general. Because I know yes, that um I know plenty of people, if for some reason we, by God's miracle, we have like a teenage person listening to this. I know so <laughs> many people who have had such difficulty finding their group in high school, like just yeah. never being able to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. Like I have so many friends who just said to me in high school, I felt like I was never going to have good friendships. Like I never mm -hmm. felt like I belonged, mm -hmm. um, but then they went to college or after, and they really found their people. And so yeah. I just want to encourage if anybody is listening for by God's miracle is like a young teenager or somebody who feels like they just don't belong. Like it just, it gets better as we become better. We become better at finding good friends and uh, don't be, don't give up just because at 16 or 17, you feel like you cannot make quality friendships because you will, you will. This, this, that's going to be the quote that I'm going to use for you for the podcast. When we get better, we're going to get better at making friends. I love that quote. That's a great quote. Like, when we get better, yeah, we yeah. will be better at making good friends. So I yes. love that. So I think that's really good. Really, really good. Listen, if you have any thoughts, any comments, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us, uh, weekpasser.org, or just comment on our social media page. Uh, we're just so grateful that you joined us for this episode. We hope that you would tune in the next time. And uh, we plan, we promise we'll bring you another good, fresh episode. Take care. Have a great day. And uh, we'll talk to you later.